When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of Bulls HQ, Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Eyes Sports Podcasting Network. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the show. Just me today going solo on this episode of Bulls HQ. And I, I guess I just wanted to come back and uh, talk Bulls because it's been a couple of weeks since I've actually talked Bulls. I think I think the Bulls have actually played like four or five games since I last got on the podcast. Unfortunately, uh, I've been a little slack with my recording of late when you're... When, when a baby is due in a few months' time, your uh, your attention gets diverted elsewhere. Not to say I haven't been watching the Bulls as such, but my time in terms of podcasting and those sorts of things is sort of... I haven't had much time, essentially, so I've been uh, busy doing a lot of stuff in, in that regard. But back on the mic today to talk about the Bulls, I just got done watching Bulls versus the Indiana Pacers, so a good, good win for our Chicago Bulls. But like I said, it's been a couple of weeks since I... Have spoken to you all on on the, on the podcast, and through that time, I guess the Bulls have had a two and three record. They they dropped a, a game to the Magic after winning one. They dropped a game to the Wizards that they really shouldn't have had. Then had an, a just a crazy stupid performance against the New Orleans Pelicans, where they hit twenty five threes, couldn't miss a damn shot. Very important and good win against the Pelicans. We all got a look at Lonzo Ball, which was uh, very interesting. I want to talk more about those Lonzo Ball rumors a little bit later on, but then. Um, then the Bulls got beat by the LA Clippers the other day, I think it was last Friday. So in that sense, the Bulls really needed a win if we are serious about this team getting anywhere close towards the playoffs that they were at the end of this season. And given that there's like 10 games remaining on the schedule, that will at least the schedule that we know of, the schedule that the NBA has released to this point, it was kind of important that the Bulls won their next few games coming up if they wanted to remain a, a credible playoff t- team in the East. And... I say that because the East is just so goddamn bad at this point. I think there's like four, maybe five teams at this point that actually have a winning record in the Eastern Conference. So even though the times is, there's occasions where I think the Bulls are actually bad, they might not even make the playoffs. I often go and check the, the Eastern Conference standings and realize that, you know, this team's only one or two games out of actually being a playoff team type thing. So the East is bad. Even if the Bulls are bad on occasions, they still have a legitimate chance of making the postseason, which is kind of what I hope they push for. But for them, in order to do that, like I said, they need to win their next couple of games and getting it started against the Indiana Pacers and winning this game was a really good way to uh, to get that going, I guess. So a very nice win from the Bulls. They probably shouldn't have won this one, to be honest with you. And I say that because, I mean, what was DeMontis Sabonis doing? I mean, the guy could not make a basket anywhere close to the rim. Miles Turner wasn't much better. I mean, these these paces, bigs, and even their wings, they were missing so many shots at the rim. Now, you, I would like to say that a lot of that was just due to the Bulls' defense, the Bulls' rim defense. Wendell Carter was back which I was very pleasing to my eyes, but um, whilst that was nice to have his interior defense 
at the same time, guys like Sabonis, Turner, they miss so many easy shots at the rim. So Wendell definitely helped the defense. He helped boost the defense, the paint defense. But at the same time, Sabonis, Turner, they were guards. They were missing some easy shots. So I just wonder if they maybe connected on a few of them, if this game is even a game, really. But it was actually nice to see the Bulls actually close out a game for it for a change. So that they are, they got up by about double digits at one point. Lost that lead pretty quickly when the Pacers actually got their shit together. But then, unlike the Bulls like we've seen in previous years, they actually came back, played reasonably good basketball, built their lead up again, and got to the point where they were very close to winning the game. Uh, Zach, Le- Zach Levine missed the go-ahead basket on the buzzer to, to win the game. He didn't make it. We got into overtime. I was I thought that this that may spell the end of the Bulls. Generally speaking, the Bulls aren't very good at closing in late-game stretches. Like their ex- execution in overtimes and fourth-quarter periods over the last two to three years, hasn't been good at all. So I was kind of, I wanted them to win in in, um, in regulation because I just didn't give them much of a chance in overtime. But surprisingly enough, the team just executed in overtime. They looked like the more professional team um, going into and during that that overtime period. So it was it was really good to see that the Bulls one were able to get back into the game after they had blown a lead, but two. Even with getting back in the game and with the game being so close, we've become used to the Bulls blowing those sorts of games. But in this case, they were good enough to uh, to win in overtime. So that was nice to see. And they did so on the back of Zach Levine, who continues to prove that this man is a freaking all-star. I don't know what else he has to do in order to, to prove that to other people. I know it's still a topic that is being discussed amongst, I guess, just the basketball, the basketball ether right at this point, given that the all-star game is... What is it, like the 6th or 7th of March, somewhere in that range? Whenever it is, it's maybe one month away, maybe even less, a couple of weeks away, three weeks away, something like that. And I, I don't know when the teams are being fully announced, but at some point they will be. And you would have to figure that Zach Levine should be on that team. I know a lot of people, probably more than national media types, don't necessarily see Zach Levine as a surefire all-star. I think a lot of them won't, most certainly won't have him as a starter. A lot of them most certainly won't have him as a bench guy, which to me is just completely insane at this point because the man just continues to play so damn good. I mean, his offensive game at this point has just gone up to a level that I just didn't think was possible. 30 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists for Levine against the Indiana Pacers. And to be honest with you, I mean, Zach dropping 30 points has just become the norm at this point. What are we, like 24, 25 games into the season? I think he's had 12 30-point games this this season already. So almost uh, almost half of his games this season have ended up with 30 or more points. So the man is just an offensive machine. He's basically a 50-40-90 guy at this point. His free throw percentage is just slightly below 90%, around the 86 to 87% mark. So, I mean... What more does he have to do? I mean, maybe the Bulls could have two or three more wins, and maybe the conversation changes at that point. If the Bulls were at 500, and you know they were they were well and truly in the playoffs at this point, maybe if they had the sixth or seventh seed, maybe the perception changed changes a little bit with Zach. But to be honest with you, I mean, the team is 11 and 15. So many of the Eastern Conference teams, like I mentioned before, are. Or below 500, so I don't even know if the record is a legitimate reason to have Zach Levine out of the All-Star squad at this point. He continues to produce, he continues to show that he's improving, his defense is actually coming along as well. He's made leaps as a passer, I've already talked about his offensive game going to the next level. It's at the point where his offense is probably at a top 10 level at this point. I mean, is there, a, is there 10 better offensive players in the league than Zach Levine at this point? Maybe. 
Maybe there's 10. Maybe that puts Zach Levine in like that 11 to 15 range, but he's right there from an offensive standpoint. He's been that good this season. And I'm sure there's some people that, that are listening that may not agree with that statement. Maybe they're having a little bit lower than that. Maybe so there's still uh, some, some among the Bulls fan base that just don't believe in Zach Levine and want to see him traded. I know that's certainly the case for some people. I'm, I'm definitely not there at this point, but I don't know. I just want to see the perception of Levine change around the league. He is He's trying to do everything that he can to change that. His game continuously improves each season. We've just seen him just be so damn good this season that I want to see him get rewarded with that all-star spot. And if he can continue to drop these 30-point nights and can the Bulls continue to have good wins like they did against the Pacers, then maybe, just maybe, he can sneak onto that squad. And I really hope he does because he, he deserves it, basically. So really good, really good performance by Zach Levine against the Indiana Pacers. I mean, Thad Young, again... Uh, he remains the second best player on this Bulls team right now. That's how good Thad Young is. And maybe that's a depressing comment to make, given that, you know, this is a rebuilding squad. We were hopeful that, you know, some of these younger players would be, at this point in the season, along with Zach Levine, sort of boosting this team up towards the stand, uh, the Eastern Conference standings. Really, it's only Zach Levine that has consistently showed up this season. I mean, Kobe White, who I'll talk about more a little bit later, has been has been largely bad this season. Wendell Carter, I thought, was emerging as a player. He got hurt, came back tonight, which was nice to see. Larry Markinen, before his injury, was playing well, but he was inconsistent at times as well. So, I mean, the young players on this squad, I mean, Patrick Williams is too early to say. He's too early for him to to be truly counted upon, even though I think he has been very good. The, The young guys aren't necessarily the ones boosting this team. It is Zach, and it's the veterans. And to that point, I mean, Thad Young, again, just continues his run as being the, the Bulls' second-best player. 13 points, 11 rebounds against the Pacers, five offensive rebounds against a front court of Sabonis and Miles Turner, a big a big front court, a big traditional front court for Thad Young to have five offensive rebounds. The Bulls actually had a really good performance from a second-chance points point of view, and I think that was a big part of the reason why they won this game, their, their ability to get on the boards, their ability to create second-chance points and create second-chance offense in that sense. That kept them in the game and it allowed them to remain in the game and ultimately win the game. I mean, Thad Young, five offensive rebounds, four assists. I mean, this man is just... I don't know where this has come from. It, it's completely Joe Keem-esque of 2014. It is, it's very, it is very, very similar where this high-end role player, defensive guy guy that can do a little bit of things on offense, just emerges as, as a, a random passing hub, let's say. He just comes out of nowhere to become arguably the Bulls' best playmaker, which is not something I saw coming from Thad Young. I mean, did anyone? Like, I, he can always pass a little bit, but not to this extent, to the point where he's averaging a career-high 4.3 assists per game. His, his assist percentage is like 24.7%, something like that, and that's almost double his best mark of his of his career at this point. I think his, his previous best assist percentage was like 14.7, so he's almost doubled that, so... Thad Young as a passing option from the high post has just been so huge for the Bulls' offense. I mean, his ability to connect both sides of the floor has been so huge. And even for someone like Zach Levine, I mean, using Zach and Thad in the pick and roll, it's just so much easier for a player like Zach Levine to sort of just dump off the ball to to Thad Young, who he knows and who he trusts can create offense, either for Zach himself as a DHO option or... As we saw tonight, Thad had this amazing pass into the corner to, to Tomas Sadoransky where he sort of got the ball at the high post off pick and roll, made one or two dribbles as a short roll man 
into the paint and then just whipped a left-handed pass on the move to Tom- Tomas Sadoransky in the corner who spotted up and hit a nice three. And I mean, that's the type of play that has made Thad Young so invaluable to the Bulls this season to the point where I'm even thinking like this team should not even consider trading Thad Young because the minute they do, they, they are going down the toilet now. Maybe some want to see that happen. Maybe some would like to see the Bulls maybe improve their draft odds heading into the 2021 draft, which looks, and by all reports, you know, should be a top draft. I mean, maybe it does make some sense to trade that young, but I'm at the point now where I want to see this team continuously try to, try to win, try to add players around Zach Levine that make sense, that make his life easier, that make him a better player rather than just always trying to trade off players for draft picks. I mean, at what point is this organization just going to say, we've tried the draft, we've been rebuilding for years, four years at this point, instead of maybe trading away players and playing the draft rebuilding game, can we actually try to add players? Uh, I've already ranted about my thoughts on you know, going after someone like Bradley Beal or even going after Lonzo Ball, someone like that, and adding those types of players to Zach Levine, to Thad Young, to the rest of the bench guys, Otto Porter. Garrett Temple, Sadoransky, etc. And how having those veterans sort of boosting the young players of sorts, I think that, to me at this point, is more appealing than trying to trade off players for mid to late first round picks that may or may not amount to anything. I mean, the last time the Bulls were in this scenario, they traded Nikola Mirotic for Amir Rashid's dead salary and a future first round pick, which ultimately turned out to be Chandler Hutchinson. Like, I don't want to go through that experience again now. Uh, obviously, that's that's one way to look at it. Maybe it doesn't eventuate in the same way. Maybe you trade Dad Young to the Boston Celtics as an example. You get back their first-round pick. Maybe it's the 20th pick in the draft. Maybe AK does what Garpax couldn't and lands a nice pit player at that range. Maybe instead of drafting someone like Chandler Hutchinson, you get someone like Brandon Clark or something like that, an impact player who can come in straight away and Rather than be relying on a 32-year-old veteran like Thad Young, you've got a 20, 21-year-old kid coming in who can be a piece that you know remains on the Bulls for five, ten years, whatever it may be. Uh, that that is obviously the upside. But what if that what if that doesn't happen? <laughs> what happens if you trade Thad Young, who, like I said, has been your second best player? You move him out. You you actively get worse. You don't necessarily get a better player or even a good player with that pick for Thad Young, and then someone like Zach Levine, who maybe missed the playoffs again, enters the last year of his deal, will become uh, an unrestricted free agent, and he's just seen the Bulls for years consistently be bad, consistently miss the playoffs, consistently trade off or just let go of players who actually matter. What what's what signal does that send Zach Levine? That's just something I've been thinking of lately, that maybe there's more risk to trading than Thad Young right now than there's actual rewards. Maybe I'm misreading that. Maybe I'm completely wrong. But the more I watch Thad Young, the more the more I see his impact. I think he has value from a, in a short term sense, both on the court this season, but going forward as well in terms of the t- the ball building, an actual capable an actual capable team moving forward. So loving what Thad Young is doing of like continually doing it, old man. Hopefully you're here. For a little bit longer, but um, I think another reason why Thad Young to me is so important is for, you know, he's just a perfect template for, for players like Patrick Williams and, and Wendell Carter Jr. I mean, two young big forwards and centers, like, playing the same position that Thad Young has played in the league for so long. I mean, Patrick Williams is effectively the bull starting power forward at this point. Wendell Carter, his first game back after missing three weeks, weeks with that cod contusion. 
Thad Young has been playing small ball centre for the Bulls as well. Like, who better for Wendell Carter to mimic his game off than Thad Young? I mean, I had envisions of Wendell Carter becoming the passing hub that we've seen Thad Young being this season. I, I still think Wendell has that, uh, that potential within him. And who better to learn how to play from the high post as a passer than the guy that's literally on your team right now, who you can watch from the sidelines, the guy that can point you into that right direction as to how to be that player. I mean, like, why would you want to move that player who can help coach up and develop someone like like Wendell Carter Jr.? Similarly, for, from Patrick Williams' point of view, Thad has spent the most of his career playing power forward, a defensive first power forward, a two-way guy. Like, there is value in keeping someone like Thad Young to teach guys like Patrick Williams and Wendell Carter Jr., who I personally see as the power forward and center of the future moving forward. So from that point of view, I really want to keep that, and I think it just adds value to guys like Patrick Williams and Wendell Carter, who tonight against the Pacers were really damn good. I mean, Wendell in his first game back, I was expecting him to be a little bit rusty, hadn't played for a long time, three weeks, was starting to get it together before his injury, so I was a little bit worried that maybe he would come back, was a bit rusty, would be a you know a, a rough start to his return, particularly against guys like Sabonis and Turner, who the last time the Bulls played these guys, they absolutely trucked the Bulls' front line. But lo and behold, Wendell Carter comes back, doesn't look like he misses a beat, posts 11 points and 9 uh, assists in 21 minutes, almost had a double-double in 21 minutes. I mean, that's crazy good from Wendell. And similarly for Patrick Williams, his offensive game wasn't going, but he had the nine rebounds. His, his, his rebounding over the last sort of six to seven games has improved. He's, over, he's averaging over seven rebounds over his last seven games. The defense from Patrick Williams is also very nice. I'm liking what that front court is doing together. We saw it maybe a little bit earlier in the season when Larry Markkinen was out, when, when uh, Patrick Williams was playing more time at power forward, that he and Wendell were playing more together. We got to see it tonight. Coupled that with Thad Young coming off the bench, I, I just like the Bulls' front court at this point, and and I want to cons- I want to see Thad Young remain, and I want to see him sort of tutor these guys. I think that's really important for the Bulls, and I think his uh his experience is just going to be so important for this team going forward. So really good games from Wendell, considering the context of the fact that he's coming back playing against a very good front line and. Played very well. Patrick Williams, again, didn't have his offensive game, but he did things on both sides of the ball that were very, very encouraging to my eyes, at least. And so the front court looked really damn good against the Pacers. Again, I mentioned from the top, Zach Levine, just unbelievable at the moment. If we could get some support for Zach Levine in the backcourt, that would be nice. Kobe White, I don't know what he was doing that first half. Just got absolutely owned by TJ McConnell. Was just making some bad decisions from a turnover standpoint was really, he had a, a backcourt uh, violation at one point because TJ McConnell was just harassing him. Kobe's a loose handle, just couldn't get the ball over the half-court line. His first half was looking really bad to the point where I was, I was actually somewhat uh, somewhat concerned from him in the sense that I thought he was going to get the short hook or be on the short leash and wouldn't necessarily play that much. But, you know, credit to Kobe because his second half was really damn good. His, his offensive game sort of came around where he couldn't really buy a bucket in that first half. He could in the second half. Finished the game with 19 points, 8 assists, 7 rebounds. He, he, he was much more impactful in that second half because, to my eyes at least, he was playing more off the ball. And I've, I've been saying this for a long time, and this is what we've been seeing slightly emerge this season, particularly after, over the last 5 to 10 games, is... We're seeing Kobe being less of the uh, point guard or less of the lead creator, let's say. I mean, he definitely has spells where he is that, 
there will always be moments when he is the primary creator on the court because it literally is just him, him and, and Zach Levine being the, the main focuses of the offense from a perimeter standpoint. So there will always be periods where he is on the ball, he is the primary creator, but when it matters, we're, we're starting to see Zach Levine and even, you know, some other players emerge. Tomas Sadoransky, even De- Denzel Valentine is closing games randomly now. He's getting some playmaking duties. We're seeing those guys make more decisions as a primary creator with Kobe sort of spotting off, off, off ball. And, and I mean, a, the perfect example of that was the Pelicans game where he and Zach both had eight or more threes. And a lot of those threes for Kobe were just catch and shoot shots in part because their Pelicans defense was just absolutely abysmal, that he was able to just continuously get to his spot and, and raise up on those catch-and-shoot threes. But that is where Kobe excels, man. I mean, he's just a really good catch-and-shoot shooter. His off-the-dribble bounce game from a shooting point of view isn't there. He's t- I think he's from a mechanical standpoint, his offensive technique, his shooting technique just doesn't really lend itself to being a real good off-the-dribble shooter. But from a catch-and-shoot point of view, if Kobe White gets an open three or even a contested three, I'm, I'm super confident in that falling. And it's just to the point now where I don't want the Kobe White point guard experience to continue. And when I say point guard experience, I mean specifically you know, him being the lead creator. Can Kobe White still function as a point guard in the sense that he's guarding opposing, opposing point guards? Then, yeah, I mean, that can still work. That'll probably ultimately be his position. But from a pure playmaking point of view, I just... I want to see him get back to the things that make Kobe White good, which is just letting him cook on offense. That That is ultimately his value. That's where he adds value, whether it's in him pushing the ball in transition or whether it's him playing off ball, being the secondary creator, getting to his spots as a catch-and-shoot catch shooter and really launching from three. I mean, the last... Probably before this, this Pacers game, but the last few games, I mean, almost 70 to 80% of his offense has been generated from the three-point line. So... Keep doing that. Keep exploiting that because that is what he he does well. And just keep getting back to the things that make Kobe White Kobe White effectively. And then slowly but surely add pieces to his game rather than just throwing him in the deep end and hoping he can become and emerge as his point guard of the future type thing. Like I have my frustrations with Kobe White because I don't see him as that point guard, that lead guard, that guy that can create off the bounce, can create for others consistently. But it's kind of unfair that the, what the Bulls are asking Kobe White to do at this point because it is kind of sink or swim. They're, they're hinging their their point guard their, their their point guard position on Kobe White and to an effect that like their season on Kobe's success at point guard, which to me is is completely unfair for a player who hasn't never really played point guard. So I, I do think the Bulls are doing him a disservice in that sense. I would like to see them or continue what they're doing now, which is having more of Zach Levine being the primary creator, even playing Sadoransky more minutes as the point guard, putting multiple guard lineups in there that can support the playmaking of Kobe White. I think that would be advantageous. And coming back to another reason why I don't want to see the Bulls trade Thad Young, I mean, Thad Young might be the best Bulls creator at this point. He might be the Bulls, the Bulls' best passer. So if you take away someone like Thad Young from the rotation, there goes all the playmaking that he creates. That all ultimately comes back on the shoulders of Zach Levine and Kobe White, and I don't know. I just want to, I just want to ease the burden that's on Zach Levine from a playmaking, but maybe even more, more, uh, more importantly, the playmaking that's on the shoulders of Kobe White. So, just let him go back to off ball, whether that's as a starter, whether as a bench guy. For me, like I was, I'd be starting Tomas Sadoransky and having Kobe come off the bench. I know that a lot of people listening to this will recoil at the thought. Fair enough. But, you know, whether he's starting, whether he's coming off the bench, just put him off ball. Let him be the 
the secondary creator, whether you still want to call him a point guard, a shooting guard, a combo guard, whatever the hell you want to call it, I don't really care. It's more the role that I want to see him play, and I think that's starting to emerge over the last sort of five to ten games where, you know, Donovan is still using him as a primary creator on occasions, but I think we're starting to see that he's like... um, I won't say he's giving up on Kobe White for as a lead creator, because he's clearly not. He's clearly said as much. But in terms of his trust in, in, in allowing Kobe to be the sole creator or the primary creator, the guy that drives most of the offense, which we sort of saw through the first 10 to 15 games, I think that's slowly starting to subside, and I hope that's the case. Because it'll be better for Kobe, it'll be better for the Bulls, and as they continue to, I guess, aim for that playoff positioning, which I think they should be, particularly as Zach continues to improve, the fact that Zach is an unrestricted free agent next season. Uh, I would like to see the team try to make steps towards being a better team. And I just don't want to see them, uh, I guess, mortgaging the future of the team and the development of team of this team just on Kobe White, let's say. Let's, let's have him be a piece of the puzzle, not the, the driver of this of this offensive engine. So that I guess that's my rant on Kobe. But I, like I said, credit to him. Very bad first half, came back and played the role that I think he's capable of playing and adding value, and uh, I liked his second half. So I want to see that continue for the Bulls. And I think that's important because Zach Levine needs some help at some point. He is still the main offensive focal point. Like I said, Thad Young has just been uh, just an absolutely dynamic offensive player at this point, but Thad can only do so much. The Bulls need someone else to stand up, with particularly with Lowry out, Otto's out. They need a, uh, you know, a secondary piece to come from an offensive standpoint. That needs to be Kobe White, and that needs to come through the next stretch of games. The Bulls are currently embarking on it, and a couple of road games here. They, they started this little mini road trip with a nice win against the Pacers, but they've got a, a, an interesting game coming up on the road against the Charlotte Hornets on Wednesday. Then they go and play the Sixers on Friday night. So two toughish games. Probably the, obviously the Sixers are being a more difficult game than the Hornets, but the Hornets are a similar team to like the Bulls in the sense that this is a young, improving team, one that has uh, aspirations of being a playoff team. And at this point, the, the Hornets are in the playoffs and look like they can be a playoff team because LaVallo Ball has been you know, super good. Gordon Haywood has been very good. The rest of those sort of role players in Charlotte, Terry Rozier, Miles Bridges, Devontae Graham, PJ Washington, I mean, that's a good six to seven man course. That Hornets team is actually quite good. So that, that's not an easy out for the Bulls on, on Wednesday night. And like I said, they go back and play the Sixers on Friday night before they go up against the Kings and Rockets. So the next stretch of games for the Bulls is going to be critical. They also have games against the, against the Phoenix Suns. The, Sun, the Suns are fourth in the West at this point. They got, they get the Denver Nuggets coming up as well. So there's five or six games here coming up, which could be, I don't want to say make or break the season because that may be too dramatic in the sense, you know, they could go two and four through that stretch and that stretch won't necessarily determine where they land in the playoffs. But what it may determine is what Arturus kind of shows is thinking from a team strategy or team building point of view. I mean, if the Bulls lose games to the Hornets, can't beat the Kings, they lose to the Rockets and maybe even lose to the Suns and Raptors, those, you know, as an example of the games coming up, if, if those are losses, for example... And as we head towards the All-Star break, and more importantly, as we head towards the trade deadline, I mean, if the Bulls just rack up three, four losses here, maybe only grab two wins, something like that, all of a sudden the team is, what, like 13 and 18 or 13 and 19, something like that, maybe he starts to think about trading off someone like Thad Young, who, even though I don't want to see that happen, maybe that's where Karnaschovas goes. He heads towards a little mini tank again. 
tries to get a draft pick for for Sadoransky, a draft pick for Thad Young, tries to improve his own lottery odds by making this team actively worse by trading off the veterans. Maybe at this point, whilst you know a few losses here won't determine the ultimate record of the team, I think what it may determine is what the what Karnaschovas does at the trade deadline. So this this set of five to ten games coming up is going to be super critical for the Bulls as to how the rest of the second half of this season plays out. And I guess to that point, like again, like I've mentioned, I want to see the Bulls add pieces at the dead, at the trade deadline rather than trading them away. I want to keep that young. I want to trade for Lonzo Ball. Completely uh, pie in the sky sort of thinking, but if we can sort of get away to our trade for Bradley Bill, like I'm in on that deal as well. Like just, just make some moves to make this team better and actually push towards the point where you're actually better than the Hornets. You're better than the Raptors. You're better than the Heat. You're better than those teams trying to get into that six to seven range, and maybe the Bulls can just add some pieces and, and trade away, you know, future draft picks to do so. Maybe that's short-sighted of me. Maybe I'm completely wrong, but that, that's what I want to see them do. So I, I don't know what's going to happen at the deadline. I mean, Shams uh, Trainer from The Athletic had a report today where he did mention the fact that the Bulls had some interest in Lonzo Ball, but also said that the Bulls haven't had any dialogue with the New Orleans Pelicans, which... It's a bit confusing to hear that they have interest in ball, but haven't necessarily had any dialogue with the Pelicans. I mean, what does that mean? Does that mean that they they want to trade for him? Does that mean that they have interest in him, haven't made any calls at this point, but will have calls? Does it mean that they have more interest in him as a free agent, maybe, less so as a trade piece? Like, what, what does that mean? It's, it's kind of like a nothing report. Obviously, we'll, we'll find out in due course what it all means, but... I just want to see the Bulls get creative. I've ranted about it, about it before, but uh, I want to see the Bulls act like a big market team for once. And after four years of rebuilding, and to this point where we've got a player like Zach Levine, who is a legitimate all-star player in my eyes, at this point of the season, like let's start adding and improving the talent on this roster rather than just continuously trading away or continuously you know, trying to acquire draft picks that may or may not improve the team. We're in this position where we are now where we've literally only got Zach Levine to really hang our, hang our hat on because we've just continuously played the draft game. It hasn't worked. Maybe I'm burnt by that. Maybe I'm being short-sighted. Maybe it would be the right decision to, to, to go back to the draft, continuously to rebuild through there and give Karna Shovis his chance at you know acquiring talent through the draft. He's seemingly done a... Uh, you know, his first draft pick has seemingly been a good one in Patrick Williams, so... Maybe in this draft, maybe if the Bulls land a top three pick or something like that, maybe it does make sense. But uh, at this point of the season, I, I kind of want to avoid it at least. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Tell me. Tell me if I'm wrong. Tell me if you Tell me if you disagree. Tell me I'm an idiot. Hit me up on Twitter and do so at MKHoops. If, if, if you uh, disagree with me, if you think the Bulls should trade Zach Levine, I completely disagree with you on that. But if you think that, tell me. If you think they should trade Thad Young, I want to hear your proposals at MK Hoops. Let me know about it. If you'd rather send me an email with a, you know, your full explanation of what you want to see the Bulls do, whether it's trading Zach, Thad, doing other things, send me an email. BullsHQPod at gmail.com. To that point, if you want to be part of the Bulls HQ Discord server, if you don't know what Discord is, it's essentially it's an online forum where you can have real, real-time chat either in audio form or in text form with other Bulls fans. We've created a Bulls HQ Discord forum slash server slash chat room, whatever you want to call it. There's almost 200 Bulls fans up in there at this point, talking Bulls 24-7. So if you want to be part of it, send me an email. I'll drop you a link or hit me up on Twitter. Drop me a DM at MK Hoops if you want to be part of it. Come join and uh, 
I want to send a shout out to uh, Jordan Guilty, my mate, who has really helped me build the Bulls HQ Discord server. I mean, I mean, I should send shout outs to all of the OGs of, of the Bulls HQ Discord server. They know who they are, but uh, Mr. Guilty in particular has been a, a driving force in recruiting a lot of Bulls fans to the Bulls HQ Discord server. So I appreciate him doing so. But if you want to be part of that conversation, just hit me up. Let me know. We are uh, we'd be more than happy to have you along there talking Bulls twenty four seven. But um, listen here, Bulls fans, I've ranted long enough about about this Bulls Pacers game. I like the way they handled this one. This was a good competitive win. It was a step forward. It was a game that they probably don't win last season. So that's why I want to see them continue to progress, develop. They're showing signs this season that, that they've taken steps forward, and I want to see that continue rather than taking them step those steps backwards. But again, like I said. Maybe I'm living in the moment too much. Maybe I'm wrong. Let me know. But uh, we'll see how the Bulls progress throughout this week. Got the Hornets on Wednesday, as I mentioned, the Sixers on Friday, then the Kings on Sunday. On Saturday. So I'll be back later on this week, early next week, to wrap up those lot of games. Be on the lookout for that, Bulls fans, where you get your usual podcasts. You will see Bulls HQ back. I hopefully won't be away as, as long as I was last time. I, I think it was a week and a half since the last, I last got on the podcast. Hopefully I'm not away that long next time. But um, trying to increase the number of podcasts that we got coming through before the young child comes through in a few months. So we'll see how that impacts the podcasting schedule later on. But for now, I'll try to keep up the schedule. But thank you for tuning into this episode of Bulls HQ. I appreciate your support as always. Good win for the Bulls. Keep winning Bulls. I want to see it happen. I want to see this team continue to improve and that's what I want to be talking about going forward so thank you for tuning in that just about does it for this episode of Bulls HQ we'll speak very soon Bulls fans take care and be well Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now, they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.